Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So excited to be starting this series today, Who is God? And um, it's going to be a great time. And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of spend some time walking through in the Bible. I'll kind of use some Bible jargon for a minute. Uh, but just they're called compound names. They're Hebrew names found predominantly in the Old Testament. And um, thank you, Vince, for that. I still can't hear myself in this thing. Um, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at seven compound names of God and basically try to understand a better idea of who God is. And uh, so, but what I have to do today, uh, because in order for us to, to kind of know where we're going uh, for the next seven weeks, I have to lay a little bit of a foundation for the first part of our, our time together. And, and so then at the end, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay a foundation here. I'm just going to re just reject this technology out of my ear. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and lay a foundation in the beginning, and then in the end, we're going to talk a little bit about our, about our first name of God. And I have no doubt that you're going to be blessed and encouraged today. And so... I just want you to know that I love you, and I love sharing God's word with you, and my heart, my heart in this next seven weeks is that you will fall madly in love with Jesus Christ. My desire is, is that by the end of this seven weeks, because then we're going to talk five weeks on heaven and hell, and the whole objective behind this entire series is that you won't just know more about God, but you will have a relationship with God like never before. So let me pray, and then we'll get into the message today. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. We just pray that your, your presence, Father, would fill us today. We pray that your mercy would overwhelm us today, God. We just want to say thank you for a time in your presence, God, where you meet with us, God, and you speak to our hearts. And I just pray, Lord, today, as we study who you are, Father, I pray for those in the room who maybe uh, are new to you, maybe don't have a relationship with you, God. Maybe they're in a season of their life, God, where they just aren't sure if they really believe in this idea of God. I just pray today, God, you would speak to their heart. And Father, for those in the room who've been Christians for a long time, those in the room, God, who have been doing this thing in their journey of life, God, and just finally have come to a point, God, where they just need to have a deeper relationship with you, oh God. I just pray that you would come right now, Father, and you would speak to their heart, you'd speak to their mind, you'd open their eyes to your word, oh God, that they would find that, Father, your word today would encourage them and strengthen them and fill their life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everybody said, Amen. Well, come on, let's get into it today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about some of the ideas in the world today, our modern construct of God, the idea of God today. We're going to walk through just a little bit of what are some ideas of God. The first one here this morning is that God exists, but we can't actually know him. The idea that there is a supernatural, uh, universal kind of supreme being, but really it's this idea of that, they're, they're, that, that God maybe could exist, but it's so far outside of our realm of understanding that it's beyond the universe, it's beyond uh, this, this place in which we live, and therefore you and I are unable to know this God. It's impossible for you and I to understand this supreme being. This supreme being is outside our realm. And so the idea that a good God could exist, generally this type of uh, reference to God, I, I have a lot of friends who call them the universe. It's the universe 
church brought this together. It's this idea of this supreme idea of something outside of our realm of understanding. Or many times people who uh, maybe don't believe in God, but when life gets really hard, when they're laying on the hospital bed, when their bills aren't being paid, when they're in a terrible situation, often we will turn to this universal being and cry out to him and say, if there is a God, will you come and help me right now? And so it's the idea that there may be a supreme being, but you and I actually can't have a personal relationship with him. The second thought is that they are, there are many gods and they all lead to heaven. This is the idea of Hinduism generally holds this idea that you can really find God through animals, through rivers, through deities, through temples, through Christianity, through, through uh, Islam, through whatever the religion or whatever the goddess or whatever the God that you serve in your life. There are many different gods in which all lead to the same uh, paradise of heaven and the idea that you and I are actually on a journey to reach spiritual perfection. And this is where we get the idea of karma, that if you do good to others, the good will be done to you. And that is a scriptural idea, but it's also the idea that basically it's karma. What goes around comes around. You know, it's when, you know, bad things happen. You say, man, karma's bad. I was going to say something else, but, uh, you know, things happen in your life and you think, oh man, what goes around comes around. Like that the idea that if you invest your life into good, good will come back. To you, And the third thought here this morning is there is no God but ourselves. Oddly enough, the New Age uh, uh, religion would hold this idea that you and I are the gods. You and I are searching for the goddess and the God inside of each of us, trying to find enlightenment, uh, spiritual enlightenment, so that you and I can reach the betterment of who we are supposed to become. But there really is no God but ourselves. They share the same idea with Satanism. Satanism actually doesn't even believe believe in deity, doesn't even believe in God, doesn't even believe in the devil. The, the, the religion of Satanism actually does not believe in the devil. The only God in a Satanist life is me. And so I am God. I am a temple. And obviously an atheist would not necessarily believe that they are a God, but they would deny the existence of a God, as you would know. And so there's the idea here that, that there is a, uh, there is no God, and I'm living for myself and my own desires. The fourth thing here is that God doesn't exist, but spirituality does. This would be a form of Buddhism. This is when you are recreated and rebirthed into new lives and until you can reach spiritual perfection. But Buddhists don't actually believe in a God. They believe in spirituality. They believe in spiritual enlightenment. And so they don't identify Buddha as a God. Buddha was just one who reached this place of spiritual enlightenment that reached a place in their life where they were uh, perfect. And so that is the objective for our lives. And lastly here, we see that many believe that there is a God, but they would deny the idea of the, of the Trinity. It would be uh, Mormons would deny the idea of the Trinity. Jehovah's Witness would den deny the idea of the Trinity. Uh, Muslims would idea, uh, deny the idea of the Trinity and believe that Allah is one God, that Muhammad was just a prophet, that Jesus was just a prophet. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons believe that Jesus was a created being that was not actually divine God and that there is only one God. His name is Jehovah or Yahweh and that he is the only God, but there are not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then we have last, but certainly not least, there is a triune personal eternal God. A God is knowable. Humans can have a relationship with him and spend their lives and the life to come with this creator God. This God came to earth as 100% human 
and 100% God. This God died a murderous death on a cross. This God was buried in the grave for three days. This God conquered death and rose again from the dead and appeared to over 500 different people all throughout the countryside. This God rose back up to sit at the right hand of the Father. This God sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit God now dwells amongst us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this God, the only way to access the Father is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so... Many of us here today would hold that belief and hold that position. Many of us might not. And today we ask, okay, well, we're going to be talking about God. Well, Ryan, do I have to believe what you believe? Well, the truth is, is that we believe that the Bible is the foundation of truth. And so we're going to be teaching from the Bible. And so we would have a position that the Bible is all truth, that God's truth in the scripture. And that's how we will take our position from. And so why this series? Why would we do, this is called a theological study. Why would we study God? A great book, if you're looking for a good book to read, maybe you're a new follower of God, is called Knowing God by, by J.I. Packer. It's a really good book, and this is the quote he says in this book. Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. As it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London... Put him down without explanation in Trafalgar Square. Leave him as one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself. So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointment, a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. And so it's important that we actually take time as a church to study who is God together. But there is a difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. There's a big difference for you and I. There's a lot of people that know a lot about God, but don't have a relationship with God. And Jesus often picked fights with these people. And he did it in Matthew chapter 7. Look at this verse together. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, it says, Not everyone who says, You are my Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The, the, the only people who will enter the kingdom of heaven are those who do the things that my Father in heaven wants. On the last day, many people will say to me, You are our Lord. We spoke for you. And through you, we, focused, we forced out demons. And we did many miracles. And then I will tell them, Jesus says, Clearly, get away from me, you who do evil. I never knew you. There was never a relationship between the person knowing about God and God himself. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Another famous scripture in Mark 12. I'll just read the first part. It says, The most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That word love is agape love, which means unconditional. This word would identify the idea of sacrificial love. So you would not give unconditional sacrificial love to someone you just know about. You're going to give unconditional, self-sacrificing love to someone that you know 
intimately. And so it's very important that you and I understand that we, we have to understand that theology and biblical ethics and knowing the demands of holiness and righteousness and how to live a life for God, while are intrinsically very important, they are not enough to know God. We don't want to just know about God, we actually want to know God. And guess what happens? If we understand and know God, we will begin to know and understand ourselves. And this is where the biggest problem comes from is we live our life, we get into relationships, we uh, pursue careers, all of them end up leading to us to a place in life where we feel broken and hurting and lost and we feel empty inside. And the reason is because we're engaging in life, not really knowing why we're here or who we are. And the only way for you to discover that beautiful truth is by having a relationship with a relationship with God will cause all of your problems to come into account and you will realize that life is not as bad as it is because I'm no longer trying to engage this life out of who I say I am. I'm engaging this life out of who God says I am because I have a relationship with my creator. So I might ask you a question. How do we know that we know God? <laughs> I mean, is it a special sort of emotion? Is it a shivers down my back? A dreamy, off-the-ground, floating feeling? Is it this tingling thrills of exhilaration such as maybe a drug taker would seek this high? Is it knowing God as sort of intellectual well-being? Does one hear a voice? Does one see a vision? Do we find strange uh, strains of thought coursing through my mind? How do we know that we have a personal, intimate relationship with God? Well, the Bible uses two imageries to help us understand this truth. The first one is of a sibling, brother and sister, a brother and brother. The idea that even though brothers and sisters, as you well know, if you have kids, fight like dogs, even though they fight like dogs, there's something inherently in them that they want to love one another and care for one another and provide for one another and help one another and protect one another. There is this internal inherent love. You could probably do anything, almost anything, and, and just to tick them off and to push them away. And yet still that brother or sister would say, well, your family, we are in this together. The second, and probably more appropriate picture would be between a father and a son or daughter. This beautiful picture of the dad and the son wanting to be with his father. My son, I was studying last night, just kind of in my office, and my son came downstairs fully decked out in Nerf gear. He had Nerf bullets everywhere, Nerf glasses on, came in the room and said, make my day. And he pointed the gun at my face, and he proceeded to shoot me in the face. And I stopped for a minute, and my thought came to my mind, he just wants to spend time with me. This idea that you just want to be with your dad. I just want to, I want to, I want to be like him and I want to talk like him and I want to act like him. Now here's the breakdown for many of us. Many of we say, oh no, no, I can't use that imagery. You don't know my story with my dad. My dad was a drunk or my dad beat me or my dad sexually abused me or my dad was distant or my dad wasn't even present. My dad bailed on us when we were young. My dad was angry or frustrated and so you say, no, I can't take that picture. Ryan, no, or maybe it's the, the siblings maybe you've had falling out with your siblings or it's been broken my brother and I have been on a long journey and now we're in a great place where we have worked towards a better relationship I know what it's like to have a sibling that you just don't get along with so I understand that these can break down but the Bible would use these as an example to help us define 
how we can know God as a child knows their parents or a brother, sister, or a friend, that there is an intimacy, there is a closeness, there is a relationship, there is depth, there is love, there's connection, there's fun, there's laughter, there's challenge, there's hardship. There is an intimate relationship with God. That is our main purpose in life, is to know God. And once you become more aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Many of us can't handle the situations we face in life. And my response would you to be, okay, let's start a relationship with God. Because this is our main purpose in life. This is the main reason you and I were created, was to know God. What is the aim of our life? Is it my career? Is it my... No, no, no. It's to know God. What is eternal life that Jesus gives us? It is knowledge of God. To know God. That's what John 17, 3 says. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus here is saying, you want to experience eternal life? After you die, do you want to experience an abundant life right now? Then just begin to have an intimate relationship with God. This is our main purpose in life. And this is why so many people get distracted and get confused and get caught up in bad relationships and bad business dealings. And they, they, they get into their jobs. And you know what I'm talking about. You feel like, man, is this what life is all about? Really? I'm going to go to Starbucks every day and serve the same person the same stupid coffee and they get mad at me every single way? Like, really? This is what my whole life boils down to? It's because our purpose and our reason for living the reason we were created was to know God. Was to have a relationship with Jesus. Look at this, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. The Lord says, Let not the wise man bask in his wisdom, nor the mighty man in his might, nor the rich man in his riches. Let them boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord of justice and of righteousness, whose love is steadfast, and that I love to be this way. If you're going to boast in anything, boast that, man, I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with our Creator. I have a relationship with Jesus. So what happens in our life? When you begin on a journey of saying, okay, and this is the question I'm going to ask you later, like where are you really at in your walk with God? You might be in this journey for 50 years, or maybe you just started, or maybe you're here to say, I don't have a relationship with God. That's where we're going to start this series, right where you are at. I'm not asking you to get to this point for us to start this journey. You just start where you are. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't say, okay, do I have to know this? this? No, 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 no. You just start right where you are. Don't try to become something you're not. Don't try to fast forward the understanding of God. Don't try to try to, to, to speed this thing up. Just go on the journey that you're on. Be where you are at and recognize that there are some tremendous benefits that come in our life. How about this? There's an increased passion for God. Look at this verse in Psalms 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Look at this. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You say, Ryan, why do you always raise your hands in church? And man, why do you always shout out loud? It's because my heart and my flesh cry out to be in the courts of God. 
That's why we encourage you to raise your hands. That's why I encourage you to engage, because when we're in the courts of the Lord, there's a, when I know God, there is a passion, there is a desire, there is a something inside of me that says, I just have to be with my Jesus. There's a passion for God. And so this is the first check. Okay, how's your passion for the Lord? It's okay. It's not there. We'll start there. God wants to start that passion again. A renewed mind, this is obvious, a mind that thinks like God thinks in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. Look at this, for we have the mind of who? Mind of Christ. Your mind is transformed and renewed to begin to think like God thinks, to act like God acts. The benefit is we get a clear divine direction for my life. This reference is wrong, and I'm not sure why, but it's... Something 224, not X. <laughs> my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Paul here is saying, my life is worth nothing. Like, he has such a clear direction for his life. The biggest issue with followers of God today is they don't know what their purpose is. And when you begin to have a relationship with Jesus, he begins to find for you very clearly and concisely exactly why you live on this planet. Paul said, listen, my life is worthless if I'm not doing what God's asking me to do. We also see that there's a great contentment for life. 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7. Yet true godliness, the pursuit of knowing God, with contentment is itself great wealth. And so we see some great benefits here. So just I'm going to shotgun you here with a few ideas of who God is, and then we'll get into kind of a short teaching on our Jehovah Jireh. So where are we going to start? I want you to do an assessment. I want you to do a sincere self-assessment of where you stand with God and how well you know Him. Be brutally and authentically honest and trust that God will meet you right where you are. God is the supreme being, the self-existent one who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. God is spirit by nature intangible. God is one. He exists in three persons. God is infinite. God is incomparable. God is unchanging. God exists everywhere. God knows everything. God is all power and authority. God is our creator. God is eternal. God is unique. God is just, merciful, and good. God is omnipotent. God is just. God is loving. God is truthful. God is holy. God shows compassion. God shows mercy. God shows grace. God judges sin, but also offers forgiveness. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is El Elyon, the Lord Master. He is Adonai, Lord. He is sovereign. He is El Alam, the everlasting God. He is Elohim, God. He is Oana, the jealous God. That is the God that we are going to talk about for the next seven weeks. So we'll get into this idea very quickly as we start today to talk about the first compound Hebrew name of God, Jehovah Jireh. Let's start a story in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to talk about a story that most of you know very well, and hopefully I can pull a few thoughts out that maybe you haven't seen before. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that Abraham was about 75 years old. His wife Sarah was about 66 years old. And Sarah was barren and was unable to have children. 
And so since she was barren and able to have children at the age of 66 and 75, God came to Abraham and called Abraham to leave the place where he was living and go to a country in which God would tell him about. And he began to speak to Abraham and said that you're going to have a child one day and that this child is going to carry the seed of, of, of millions of people who what we know now today as the Jewish race of people. And so here's Abraham called out in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. So Abram de departed as, a, as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He left that place 25 years later. Abraham's 75 years old. Sarah gets pregnant with child at 92 years old. She's pregnant with child. And when Abraham turned 100 years old, they gave birth to this promised child named Isaac. Now, some of you, you know, I can't imagine being 92 years old. I mean, I can't imagine it even as a male because I can't give birth anyways. But I can imagine being a woman at 92 years old, having to give birth to a child. 100 years old, Abraham became a father and God fulfilled the prophetic promise that came over him 25 years prior. Now, 25 years later, Abraham's 125 years old. Sarah's about 100, uh, 118, 117 years old. And their son Isaac was probably about 20 to 25 years old. And it says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, this scripture. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. So take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, that's who I'm talking about, the one you love. Go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice this boy as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I won't spend too much time on this, but Abraham had a deep relationship with God. Abraham knew the covenants of God. Abraham knew God very well. In fact, many theologians believe that Abraham was one of the first monotheistic carriers. He was the first one to believe in the triune God. And this Abraham had a deep relationship with God. And this Abraham loved his son Isaac. He waited a hundred years for this young boy to come. He loved him with all of his heart. Why would God ask Abraham to burn his son on an altar? When Abraham was a young boy, he worked uh, in the land of Ur for his father Terah in an idol factory or an idol shop. And they would actually sell idols to all the different hundreds of gods there were. And the specific god that was in that region was called the moon god. His name was actually Sin, S-I-N, Sin, ironic. His name was Sin. And they would, what they would do in order, the ultimate way for you to bring worship to the, the sun god Sin was to take your firstborn son and offer him as a sacrifice on the altar. And so for them to really worship this God, they would all be murdering their firstborn children. And God knew that Abraham's context, his perspective of, of worship to God, this body sacrifice, this physical child sacrifice, in Abraham's context made perfect sense because he knew God is asking for my whole heart. And so here Abraham, he responded accordingly. And he started on the journey in Genesis chapter 22, verse 6. It says, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, and while he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two men walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, 
Yes, my son, we have the fire, we got the wood. Where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am, don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, or most translations Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, the Lord sees. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided very quickly just very quickly three thoughts about Jehovah Jireh the first thing is this Jehovah Jireh is the God who sees exactly what is going on in your life he is the God who sees exactly what is going on in your life the name Jehovah Jireh means to the Lord who sees the Lord who will see to it in fact, if we look at these four verses, verse 4, 8, 13, and 14, the word eyes, provide, eyes, and seen are all the same word. And so the word provide and the word seen is actually an interchangeable word used in this text to identify that God, Jehovah Jireh, is the type of God that isn't off in the distance. He is presently active, aware, and involved in every single detail of your life. He's active, he's present, He's engaged. He is involved in your life. Why would Abraham even consider sacrificing his son? It's because Abraham went through, he went through this painful journey walking his son up to the top of the mountain. Can you imagine what he was thinking? I mean, he was human. Probably thinking, okay, what's my wife going to think if I actually kill my son? Like, I know God's probably going to bring him back from the dead, but I have to go through the process of actually murdering my son. Like, God, are you going to let me drive that knife through his chest, God? Five-year-old son, notice Isaac didn't say a word. He was a pretty submissive young man. Just wrapped him up. And laid, like, God, like, am I really, what are my neighbors going to think about me when they find out I was the guy who killed my son? I mean, all these different thoughts, but Isaac started asking some really important questions, okay? Like, Dad, we've got the sacrifice, we've got the knife, we've got the wood, we've got everything. Okay, buddy, like, where is the sheep for the offering. My mom used to do this to me. She used to get me out of school early and she'd take me to McDonald's. I just want to spend some time with you, buddy. And then as we drove down the road, I've got McDonald's cheese in my teeth and I'm enjoying the fact that I don't have to go to school and I'm recognizing that I'm driving down the road. Mom, where are we, where are we going? Why are we taking this turn, Mom? And realizing she's taking me to the dentist. <laughs> you trickster. Isaac's thinking to himself, okay, God, like, Dad, we've got all this stuff. What's going on here? He started to ask some really, really good questions. And look how he responded. He says, listen, we use the word, that, the, the, the translated word, God will see. God sees. Don't worry, son. God sees that I'm going through with this. God sees my heart. God sees what's going on. God sees the situation you're in. God sees the financial struggle. God sees the marriage hardship. God sees the fact that your children are struggling. God sees, God sees, God sees. And he's aware and he's involved. Abraham knew that God was going to raise his son from the dead. How do we know that? Hebrews 11, look what it says. 
By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been, received, been to receive him. And this, after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac, Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. In a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back alive from the altar. You have to understand something today about your life, and I really want you to hear this. Jehovah Jireh is the type of God that is actively aware of your situation that you're in right now, the mental struggles you're having, the physical struggles you're having, the marriage struggles you're having, the things you, the loneliness and the discouragement and the depression and the distance from people and the feeling like you've been broken and hurting and you don't know what to do next and you feel lonely and overwhelmed. All of the different areas of your life, Jehovah Jireh sees and will provide. Jehovah Jireh sees exactly where your heart is at. He sees you. He is aware of you. He is watching you. He's standing, not at a distance, but face to face with you right now this morning in your business, in your world, in your marriage, in your job, watching you saying, all right, son, all right, daughter, do I have your heart? He sees you. Look at Jeremiah 1.12 says, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, look at this, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. You've been praying for that marriage to get better. You've been praying for that discouragement to go away. You've been praying for that vision in life and that purpose and that relationship you want to work out. All these things you're just bringing before God. And God, where are you? He's right here right. with you. Second thought here this morning is that Jehovah Jireh is the God whose provision is always on time. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it, and then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood, and all Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, often we feel like we are late in the journey. I have made way too many mistakes. I have fallen too short. I've been hurt too many times. I am way too late in this journey. I've been through divorces or I've been through bad relationships or I've made bad financial dealings or I'm in a relationship right now that I shouldn't be in. I just, or I'm living in sin or I'm distant from God. We think, oh man, all my life, I've done all this wrong things. I can't make anything work out again in my life. Everything is screwed up and I'm here to tell you today that Jehovah Jireh is the God who is right on time in your life despite your mistakes, despite what you've done wrong. Abraham and Sarah, and about year 15 in this journey, decided that they were going to go get Hagar, their servant, and they had Abraham sleep with Hagar in order to get this move, this vision or this, this promised child on its way. And so Abraham slept with Hagar, had a child, and caused so much drama in their home. It caused so much drama and so much difficulty and so much hardship, and in fact, uh, like the trajectory of the historical reality that we live in today was altered by that one decision, that one sin, that one falling up short. But guess what? God still came through because God is always on time in your life. Look at this scripture, Romans 5, 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Look at that. At just the right time when you were what? Powerless. 
when you were in sin, when you were a failure, when you were just at your worst, that's when Jesus said, okay, it's time. When you didn't have all your finances figured out, when you didn't have your life sorted out, when you didn't have all this theological stuff panned out, when your relationship wasn't quite what you wanted it to be, when you weren't quite reading your Bible as much as you wanted, when you didn't quite pray as much as you hoped, oh, that's the right time right then, right now, when you were still powerless, when it had nothing to do with you, at just the right time, Jehovah Jireh comes in and answers your prayer. He fulfills the promise. He gives you the provision at just the right time. Jehovah Jireh is the God who is right on time. Look at this verse. 2 Peter 3. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. Yeah. Lastly here this morning, Jehovah Jireh is the God who wants your heart before he provides the promise. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me the most important thing in your life. This is where many of us falter, me included. This is where when it comes to a relationship with God, he says, okay, I want to fulfill my purposes in your life. I want to do something great in your life. I want to restore your life. I want to bring new life for you. I want to do these things. But I want you to know before I provide you those things, before I answer your prayer, can I first have your heart? Can I first have a relationship with you? God, will you be our focus? He, he said, Abraham, I want you to be the focus of my life. Now, this whole context of this verse is not in like, you know, like God providing snacks for a trip or a new car or money for a sound system at a church or, you know, paying our bills on time, even though all of those things Jehovah Jireh does. Jehovah Jireh is our provider. But this is in the context of Abraham having a promise of God for his life and God saying to him, I want you to give it up. I want your heart. Jehovah Jireh wants to provide for you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you hope. He wants to bless your life. But I want to tell you something here today. He's going to do it no matter what. You want to know what he wants from you? He just wants your heart. He doesn't want your attendance. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your, your, your help. He doesn't want your charity. He just wants your affection. Abraham here realized that Jehovah Jireh is the God who's going to fulfill every dream that God has given me in my life. Every purpose, every fulfillment. God is going to restore your marriage. He's going to bless your marriage. He's going to bless your finances. He wants to bless your home. He wants to bless your careers. He wants to bless you in your, in your mind. He wants to bless you in your heart. He wants to heal your broken wounds. I want you to hear me today. I want you to just let me prophesy over for a minute. Just close your eyes for a second. Let me speak directly to you this morning. Come on, he wants to restore a broken heart. He wants to heal depression. He wants to take away discouragement. He wants to bring a, a fresh passion for him. He wants your 
marriage to be the marriage that he always intended. He wants your finances to be blessed. Not that you're filthy rich, but you have just enough by the provision of God's hand. He wants you to be so madly in love with your spouse. He wants your children to serve the Lord. He wants your future generations to be known by God. He wants the home that you live in to be filled with peace. He wants to bring you forgiveness. He wants to bring you grace. He wants to come and speak to the shame and the guilt that you feel every single day of your life, the loneliness and the brokenness and the discontentedness and the frustration that you feel. He wants to bring peace. But first, he wants your heart. Mm -hmm. He wants your heart. He wants your devotion. He wants affection. He wants relationship. He doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants you to actually know him. My question to you today is your eyes are closed. What's the Isaac in your life today? I feel like some of you are holding on too tightly even to your problems. You found so much identity in the discouragement. You found so much identity in the dysfunction. You found so much identity in the lack of identity. You found so much identity in feeling broken or hurt or wounded. That you, that's how you defined your life. And God comes to you today to say, come on, give that Isaac up. He wants to know you. He doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants a relationship with you. Father, I just ask today, God, for those in the room, God, who have known about you for so long but haven't actually had a relationship with you. But all these things in our lives that keep us, all these Isaacs, these promises or these pains or these hurts that keep us from really letting go and really beginning to serve you, Lord. I just come today, God, and I just speak to others that you in the room, whether they're a follower of you or not, if that is keeping you from really experiencing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in your life. With every eye closed in this place, I'm just going to ask a question to those in the room who maybe haven't met this God yet. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I don't know this God you're talking about, but I think I would like to start a journey today. I don't know all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. My life isn't perfect, but I think that I'd like to start a journey towards knowing God better. That's you today. With every eye closed, I want you just to put your hand in the air real quick. I'm the only one looking around. Don't worry, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you. Just very quickly, just barely on the bottom of your hand, put your hand in the air just so I can see. Just lift your hand up just a little bit so I can see you and put it right back down. Want to give their lives to Jesus and start a new journey with God today. Okay, church, would you do me a favor this morning and just repeat after me? Father God, I come to you today and I give you my life. Come on, church, pray this with me this morning. I need you, God. I need you, God. I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship. I've known about you for so long. And today I'd like to know you. I invite you into my life. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need your grace. Would you come into my life and make me new? 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? We're just going to sing this song one time, and the staff's going to come. Come on, James, just lead us in this song for a minute. I encourage you for a moment, if you just want to wait, I just feel like God's doing something in this place. We're going to have our prayer team come forward. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.